Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I'm excited. You excited? Who's glad to be in church? I'm glad to be in church. We're kicking off a new series today. And uh, while you're excited now, you might not be excited when I tell you what it's about. So just hang on. But let me say this. How, here's what I believe about everybody in this room or everybody watching online. That you want to live your best life. Is that true? You want to live your best life. If, if you don't, I hope by the end of our time together today, I would inspire you or encourage you to maybe dream for something bigger, to, to live for something bigger. I just believe that every single one of us in this room wants to live our very best life. I remember um, going on vacation as a young boy, the summertime, so we're kind of in that season now, and there are many vacations you are maybe looking forward to, or family you're looking forward to going and seeing. But I remember being a, a young boy, and, and they would say, hey, we're going to go see our family, and we're going to go on vacation. And I would envision all that I was going to do on that vacation. I'd envision the, the things I get to do, the people I would get to see, because a lot of our vacations growing up were going to see family. Maybe that's the same for you. We live so far away from my, my uncles and my aunts and my cousins and my grandparents, my grandfather, which, you know, they're from Alabama, so we call them granddaddy, my granddaddy. And I remember I would look forward to that vacation so much and all that we were going to do. And so we'd get into, uh, we went from Monterey, uh, California, to Boaz, Alabama. Y'all don't know nothing about no Boaz, all right? It's deep in the woods. I mean, it's down there. And so we would drive 34 hours. I looked it up this week. 34 hours in a station wagon that had wood paneling on the side. Come on. You remember those? had a rear-facing back seat, and you wanted to sit in the back seat until it got two hours into the trip because 34 hours looking out the back window is terrible, all right, it's awful. And when we would get there, you know, I remember going to my grandfather's farm. He had a farm. He had a bunch of acres of corn and watermelon. We would always go in the summer after school during harvest season, and so we would shuck corn, and we'd pick watermelon. He had a catfish pond, and so we'd, we'd fish for catfish. We'd tie up you know, rigs on cane poles and throw the cane pole in the water and just leave it overnight. And in the morning, you come out, and there's a big old catfish on it. And we, would, we would skin it. I know I look city-fied to you guys, but I'm country. <laughs> country. And I know what some hard work is because we'd feed the cows, we'd feed the chickens. Like, we would, we'd do all that stuff. We'd, we'd see what happens if you pee on an electrical fence. And so we're just trying to figure it all out <laughs> growing up. And I just remember that. And then we'd come back from those vacations, and here's what we'd say. Well, it's time to get back to real life. Have you said that before? After a vacation, after a season, it's time to get back to real life. Back to life. Back to That's what we would say, right? It's time to get back to reality. And I started thinking about that because we are in that season now. Like, why is it that we plan so hard and work so hard to spend seven days of the life that we wish we were living, and we say, man, this is, this is the life, this is great, and look forward to it, and then have to say, you know what? Well, now it's time to get back to reality. Like, why do we live that way? Like, why do we have it programmed into our minds that, that this is the life, but now I gotta get back to real life? I, I just don't think God wants us to live that way. 
I think God wants us to live a blessed life. I think God wants us to live a life of, of abundance. Not that you won't have hard times. Not that there won't be struggles, right? Not that you won't go through things. But I don't think God wants us to get to the end of our life and look back and say, you know what? I, I, I could have experienced more. Are you with me? I could have earned more or maybe I could have enjoyed more. I could have, I could have done more. I don't think he wants us to live that way. And I don't think you want to live that way either. And so let me ask you this question. If you were to envision your life, like, like I envision those vacations and what I look forward to doing and, and all that, what would it be like? What would your life be like if you were to envision your best life? And are you currently living it? Are you there? Because here's what I know about everyone in this room as well. Like, uh, if I had to guess, a piece of that life that you would want to live is you wouldn't live that life strapped or stressed financially. Now, I say that, and everybody's like, uh-oh. Is he going to talk about money? Is this a money series? Honey, grab your purse. We're out of here. Too late. We locked the doors to the room, so you're stuck, all right? For those of you who are in overflow, you could probably get out a little easier, but we locked those too, just so you know. Yes, I'm going to talk about money because God's word says so much about it, right? It's so much about, God's money. 15% of what Jesus talked about was finances and possessions. There are over 2,000 verses in God's word about money and about our possessions uh, compared to 500 about prayer, all right? So it's obviously important to God, but no, I'm not asking you to give anything. In fact, I'm looking for you to get something, and that is to get a grip. In fact, that's what we're calling this series, Get a Grip. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, get a grip. <laughs> Say it, you know, with some attitude, get a grip. I love saying that to my kids, get a grip. I think as we head into summer, as we head into summer vacations, we need to make sure we get a grip. Like as we, we spend a lot of money, as we spend all of our Biden bucks, come on somebody, we need to get a grip. You know, before they cancel the, the extra $600 of unemployment, we need to get a job and then get a grip, some of you. We just need to get a grip so that our money doesn't have a grip on us because that's not really the way that God intended it for us. And he has so much to say in his word that if we will live by the examples and the precepts that he's given us, then we can get a grip on those things instead of those things having a grip on us. And so let me just say from the beginning, because I know some of you are like, well, this was my first Sunday. Now it's my last Sunday. Let me just debunk some, some myths that generally come with a talk like this. Because people will say, well, I just knew it. You know, God just wants my money. Can we think about that logically for a second? That God, the creator of the universe, just wants your money? As if any of us in this room, I don't care what your financial status is, as if any of us in this room have an amount of money that God looks down from heaven and goes, if I could just get a piece of that. <laughs> like he's pouring over the bills of heaven right now and he's looking down at earth, right, thinking, man, that guy just landed a good contract. If I could just get a little bit of that commission, then I could keep the earth spinning on its axis and, and Gabriel could get those new wings that he's been wanting and... That's stupid. Don't laugh at that. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's dumb. I don't think that's the case. So can we just get that kind of thinking out of our mind that God just wants our money? In fact, God does want something from you, and I propose that it's to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. 
in your life, even in our finances. Again, not my opinion. This is God's word. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul said this, remember. Everyone say remember. I think they put that in there because we forget. He's like, I don't want you to forget this. But remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, and this is logic, like we all understand this, will get a small crop. Right, so if we went to my grandfather's house and he only planted a few seeds, you know, that season, then we would only harvest a little bit of corn. But if uh, one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then verse 7 says this, and this is not about giving. We just need to get beyond uh, this to show you what I want to show you. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And so he's using uh, the example that giving is like sowing seeds. And so the, the, you sow a lot you get a lot in return, all right? If you sow a little bit, then you won't get a, li- a lot in return. It's the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. He says this, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Like God doesn't want that. If someone's ever twisted your arm into giving, that's, that's not God's heart. Here's what God likes, by the way. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, not reluctantly, but cheerfully. And this is the verse I wanna get to, verse eight. And God will generously provide, what's that word? All you need. Then you will always have what? Everything you need. And what? Plenty left over to share with others. That God will provide everything that you need. And not just that, he'll even give you more so that you have plenty left over to share with others. Look at Proverbs 10, 22. It says this, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Now, some of you have an issue with this verse right here because of the way you were brought up in church, perhaps. But the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it, meaning wealth without the stress, wealth without the the pressure, without the, the anxiety. So here's the first thing you need to get into your mind is God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you blessed in the the area of your finances. Now, let me quickly say this. I am not a prosperity gospel preacher. A lot of times when someone will accuse you of that and say, hey, you know, you're a prosperity gospel person, they don't even understand what that means. They don't even know what prosperity theology is. I'm not, you give God a dollar, he'll give you 10 bucks back, all right? That's not me. We're not, you give God $10 and there'll be a Porsche that pops up in your driveway. That would be awesome, but that's not the way that God works. So I'm not that, but I'm also not a poverty gospel preacher. I don't think God wants you poor and in debt and worried about, is there gonna be more month than money? You know, And how do I make ends meet? And how am I gonna pay these, these bills? What God wants is what we just read for you to have plenty left over to share with others. So what I would say is I'm a blessing preacher. I just believe God wants to bless you. I'll just go with what Jesus said. He preached an entire uh, message on how he wants to bless us, how, how we can be blessed. And so if you don't believe that God wants you blessed, you need to go back and read the New Testament, especially the gospels, and you'll see that God wants you blessed. However, the motive is not so that you would have more. He's not blessing you just so that you would have more. He's okay with you having more. He does not have a problem with you having more, but he's blessing you so that you would be a conduit so those blessings could flow through you to the world around you. Are you with me? To the people that need them the most. And so money, money's not bad. Oh yeah, I know a verse though, Colby. 
It says that the, the money is the root of all evil. Well, let's quote it correctly, right? The what? The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. In fact, it's, it's how we have a relationship with money, and we all have a relationship with money in this room. Money in itself is amoral. It's not good. It's not bad. Now, it can have God's spirit on it, God's blessing on it, or it can have uh, the, a spirit of mammon on it, which is a spirit of greed, and we, I'm not going to go into the, all that right now, but if you want God to have uh, his blessing on your money, then you need to submit it to God. Otherwise, it has this, this spirit of mammon on it, and we might talk more about that later. But it's not good or bad in and of itself because it's with money men pay prostitutes. And it's with money that we feed the poor. And so it's, it's amoral in and of itself. It all depends on how you use it. And how you use it depends on how you see it. And so what I want to do is just talk about how we see it. What are the mindsets we have about our, our money? I'm not going to start with budgeting and practical things and all that kind of stuff. I need to first address our way of thinking about it. Because if we can change our way of thinking about it, then we're gonna be able to live in a place of blessing. We're gonna be able to get a grip you know, on our money so it does not have a grip on us. Because here's the reality, all right? Here, I wanna show you some stats. The average American is not living their best life. According to uh, an organization called Career Builder, they released a report that says this. Check it out, 78% of Americans Full-time working Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's not God's best for you. 78% of people are wondering, is, am I going to have enough to make ends meet, living paycheck to paycheck? So if an, uh, another expense came in, an emergency happened, they wouldn't know where, where that would come from. And while they say money can't buy you happiness, it can buy you better physical, emotional, and mental health. Because here's what the American Psychology Association says, financial stress is the number one cause, is coming up, of stress in our life, in America. Financial stress. And we all know that stress is proven to have negative physical, you know, ramifications in our life. Forbes magazine uh, says this, 44% of Americans don't have enough cash to cover a $400 emergency. So if you had to get inspections and you need to, you know, change the rotors and, and the brakes or, or something happened, 44% of Americans wouldn't know where that's coming from. 43% of student loan borrowers are not making their payments. It's not paying. They're just accruing that, that, that interest. 38% of households have credit card debt. 38%. And on average, that debt is somewhere between eight and $10,000. And if you were to, you know, take 10 years to, to pay that $10,000 back at an APR of 16%, you would pay close to $30,000 for what cost you $10,000, right? That's crazy. That's not, that's not God's best for us. 33% of Americans, check this out, have saved zero for retirement, adults. And 50% of American adults have saved less than $10,000 for retirement. If you add these together... 83% of people have very little saved for retirement, which is crazy when they say it's going to cost you about a million dollars, $1.2 million right now to retire, if you were to retire today. And millennials, guess what? It's going to cost you about $2.5 to $2.8 million to retire, if you want to do that. Isn't that not crazy? Are you guys feeling encouraged today? Yeah. Woo! You're like, man, I, I 
I could have been out on the lake spending my stimulus money, you know, right now. I feel good about this. This is not God's best for us. This is not God's plan for us that we would live with this kind of weight and this kind of stress. And I know some of you are like, well, if I just, if I just made more, then I wouldn't live that way. But that's not true. That's not true. In fact, we first have to have the right mind to, to have uh, the right view to manage what we have to start with in the right way. So I want to give you four money mindsets real quick to jot these down that I think will put us in a position to receive the blessing of God in our life. And I hope you'll write these down if you're a note taker. If you're not a note taker, I hope you'll write these down. Anyway, today, here we go. Number one is I am more than I make. You need to know that, that you are so much more than what you make, that your self-worth is not connected to your, your net worth, that you are so much more valuable than your stuff. This is what Luke 12, 15 says, beware, guard against every kind of greed because your life is not measured by how much you own. If your life is measured by how much you own, you know why that's gonna cause so much stress for you? Because there's never, you can never own enough. If that's your approach, you'll never have enough. You'll, you'll never be satisfied. Listen to, to Acts 20, 24. It says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. This is, this is what I want out of my life. This is what I want my goal to be. That, that I'm not worried about the stuff that I accumulate. Just I want to finish the job that God's given me, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. just need to tell you, your life is, is more valuable than your stuff. And here's why this is critical for us to, to get into our mind and our heart, because if my value is attached to what I have, then I will do unwise things to get more of what makes me feel valued. Let me say that again. If your life and your value is attached to your stuff, then you will do crazy things. You'll spend more money than you make. You'll, you'll spend more than, than what comes in. You'll go into debt. You'll, you'll get the credit card, right? You'll do more in order to buy more of the stuff that makes you feel valued. So when they offer you the credit card on the way out of, out of you know, Lowe's or whatever it is, I'm not knocking nose, Lowe's, knocking nose, knocking Lowe's, you know, because if you take the credit card today and you sign up for it today, you'll save an extra 15%. Yeah, yeah, Colby, that's what they tell me. I'll save 15%. Of course they did. Because they are guaranteed to make that back and then some. Because when 78% of the population lives paycheck to paycheck, where's that going to come from? They're guaranteed you're going to make the minimum monthly payments. Are you with me? Like that's, it, it, it's a trap. I don't think we have a debt problem in America. We have a value problem in America. We don't see the intrinsic value that we have in Christ. And I think if we would just get that, then you are valuable just as you are. That God loves you just as you are. That he, he has unconditional love for you so much that he would send his son to die for our sins. You are so valuable to him. And it's not okay to, to have things. It's just not okay for those things to, to have you. Like, uh, it's not okay when we think that new car is what's going to make me feel the way I need to feel. Because it might for a month or two or until somebody spills a drink in it. It might make you feel okay, right? Yeah, yeah, but if I move into that neighborhood, Colby, then, then I'll feel valuable. No, you won't. 
Yeah, yeah, but, but I, was, I was out at West Erie Plaza, and I was at Elaine, you know, Boutique, which is Erie Bougie, by the way. If you've ever been to Elaine Boutique, and, and there was this top there, it was just calling my name, and, and that makes me feel valuable. I, listen, I get it. Things call my wife's name all the time. I understand. <laughs> they don't. They really don't. But that's not where you get your value from, all right? Are you with me? Like, that doesn't make you valuable, you are not what you make. And if God has, has blessed you and has given you the ability to earn and make money and to make a ton, that's awesome. Go for it. I, I celebrate that, that with you, but just don't ever think that that defines who you are. Only God can define who you are. In fact, the creator of something is the only one who has the ability to assign value to it. And God created you. God knit you together. He formed you in your mother's womb. And he did that. So he's the only one that gets to label you valuable and you're valuable. No one else can, can label you who you are. Your critics can't say who you are. You know, your, your fan club can't tell you who you are. Only God gets to say who you are and you are loved and you are accepted. You just need to know that you are more than you make. If you get that deep into your heart and soul today, uh, otherwise here's what happens. You'll make crazy decisions like like neglecting what's most important to you, your, your family, working you know, insane hours so that you can get the promotion because that's what it's gonna take so that you can you know, get the raise so you can buy the thing that, that makes you feel valuable. When God says, what does it profit a man if he gains the world but loses his soul? Like, what does it profit you if you gain everything but you lose your family? If you lose your kids, if you lose your, your wife? Like you are more valuable. It's a blessed mindset that God looks at and says, you know what? When, when they understand where their value really comes from, then I can bless them. I can prosper them. I can favor them because they understand if I give them more, it doesn't make them more. Are you with me? They are already enough in me. And sometimes you'll even hear people say, well, Colby, if I just had a little bit more, then it would change things. How many of you know that's not true? You know, if I just had a little bit more, if you had a little bit more money, you'd just be more of what you already are. If I just, you know, if you're already greedy, you'll just be more greedy. If you're already a jerk face, you'll be more of a jerk face, all right? You'll just find more expensive ways to be a jerk face. That's how it works. But if you are what you make, then the more you make, the more you have to have to make you feel like, like more. And I'm telling you, it's this never-ending cycle. It's just this black hole. You are more than what you make. Here's number two, write it down. God is my source. You have to get this. Otherwise, you're gonna think you're your source. Otherwise, you're gonna think you're the one that did it. Deuteronomy 18 says this, remember, there he is again, telling us to remember. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he, right? God, not Colby, not you. It is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. This come from God. Look at James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Like everything that you have. One more. Paul's like, let me, just, let me just sum it up real quick and tell you like it is. Paul says this. Everything. Somebody say everything. Everything you got comes from the Lord. All things were made because of him and returned to him. So everything that you have, your finances, your relationships, 
your leadership, your, your influence, everything that you have, your possessions come from the Lord. He's the source of everything. Are you with me? But Colby, I'm the one who got up. I'm the one who punched the clock. I'm the one who drove to work. I'm the one who made the sale. I'm the one who started the company. I'm the one who risked everything to make this happen. Okay, let me ask you this. Who's the one that got you out of bed? Who's the one that put breath in your lungs? Are you with me? Who's the one that gave you the capacity to write the proposal that led to the new account, that led to the new payoff, right? It's God. God is your source. That's what Deuteronomy 8.18 says, that everything, God gives us the ability to gain wealth. So it's God who puts you in that position. Don't forget it. It's God who's given you the, the intellect that you have. It's God that's enabled you to go and get the education that you have. It's God that, that puts you in the right relationships with people that could recommend you to the other person so that you could close the deal. It's God who has been orchestrating the details of your life. God gave you your personality to sell. God gave you your, your personality to do well in that environment. It's God. If you get that mindset right, Otherwise, here's what we do. We'll step back and go, wow, look at all I've done. Look at me. And getting the mindset that God is your source is, is, a, is a, a heart thing, ultimately. Positions you for gratitude and humility. And you look back and say, you know what? I didn't do any of this. This is God. In fact, I drive onto this, this parking lot almost every day and look at it and go, I didn't do any of that. Like, God, you did this. I look around this room. God did this, right? God did this. In fact, let me, let me say this. It's really hard to be prideful when you realize you didn't have anything to do with it. It's hard to have pride, is it not? But when you realize it's, it's God's, it's all God's. Of course, you have to work hard. Don't hear me say that. You have, to, you have to go to school. You have to do your home. You have to do all that stuff. Don't leave here today and say, well, God did it all, so I'm just going to let him do it all. <laughs> Pastor said I could just call in sick because, you know, God's going to do it for me. That's, that's not what I'm saying. You still have to reply to the emails. You still have to make the sales. You still have to go to school and do your homework. Just don't ever think that you are enabling yourself to do that. God is our source. Everything that we have. And I know the problem in saying that is some of you look around and, and think about, um, well, I only have a little bit. And a lot of times that's just our perspective, whether you think you have a little or you think you have a lot, because whenever we think we have a little, we're comparing it to people that have more, right? Isn't that funny? We never compare what we have to someone who has less. And then take a step back and say, wow, look at all that, that God has blessed me with. God is our source. When you live that way, it's, you're living with a heart of humility and gratitude, and humility and gratitude um, position you for the blessings of God. Amen. Colby, how, how do you know that? Because you do the same, don't you? Isn't it fun to bless somebody that's humble? Isn't it fun to bless somebody that's just sincerely grateful? In fact, I'll tell you this, you can't bless somebody who is entitled. You can't bless somebody who feels that they deserve something. Now, God is our source. If he's our source, here's the next one, number three, write it down. That means I'm just the manager. I'm the manager of it. And this could be the, the single most important mindset that you can learn. Is if he's my source, 
then it belongs to him. I'm not the owner of it. Of it, And if I'm not the owner of it, then I'm simply the manager of it. So my job now is to wisely manage everything that God has given me, right? My family, my, my resources, my, my influence, my leadership. My job is while I'm on this earth to manage all that he's given me. Listen to the story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. There's a master who was giving out resources to some of his workers to see what kind of return on investment he could get. And so he handed out, you know, different levels of bags of gold based on their gifts, right? Now he wasn't being, you know, just trying to, to be separative. And I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made that up. Separative. You know what I'm saying? Where was I? All right. Based on their gifts, all right? And so he gave one guy one bag of silver, another guy two bags, another guy five bags of silver, all right, to see what kind of return he could get. It says, and the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant, gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. Let's keep going. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here it is back. And the master replied this, you wicked and lazy servant. Check this out. He didn't blow it right? He didn't just spend it all. He didn't waste it all. In fact, he thought he was, he was protecting it, but what he wasn't doing was managing well what the master had given him. And so he said, you wicked and lazy servant. That's harsh. He said, if you knew I harvested crops and that I, 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 that I didn't plant and gathered where I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered the money taken away from that servant and gave it, give, give it to the guy with the 10 bags. Like we're just managers. We're not the owners. And so God is our source. The Bible says every good gift, everything that we have comes from him. He is our, our source. He gives us the ability to earn wealth. And so if God gave this to me, then the question is, what am I doing with what he gave me? This is a good question for you. How are you managing what the master has entrusted to you? Let me ask it this way. This will be a tough question, I think, for many of us, which I think sometimes we gotta ask hard questions. You know, otherwise, how do we grow? How do we mature? Let's say that you are the, the CEO of You Incorporated. That's your organization, You Incorporated. You're the CEO, you're the CFO, you're the boss, right? You're, you're El Presidente. You're the jefe of you, Incorporated. So if that's true, what does the P&L sheet, the profit and loss sheet of your life look like? Like, what's the bottom line? And say someone wanted to invest, you wanted to invest in you, Incorporated. Well, based on your, your management practices and how you've managed what you have, are you someone you would yourself invest in? Let that sink in for a minute. Would you invest in you based on how you've managed you incorporated? Because ultimately this is what God is doing. He's going throughout the earth looking for people that he can trust to invest in so that they can be a blessing to the world around them. Because you know, God doesn't just rain down money from heaven. I, I've never seen that happen, right? 
He doesn't do that. And what he does is he uses people that he can trust to be a conduit, to be a funnel in order to bless the world around him. So if God is looking to get resources into the earth, is you incorporated someone based on your, your practices, someone that he would invest in? See, I think God wants to, to bless us. I think God wants to pour out unlimited blessings for us. And the thing that's holding him back is the current management practices of you incorporated. That might be what's holding him back. God wants good things for you. God wants to, to prosper you. And he has unlimited sources in order to do that. But is he confident and can he trust that those resources will get directed to the right place if he invests them in you? That's a tough question to answer. And so I'm more, I'm more than what I make. God is my source, right? I'm simply the, the manager of what he's given me. And when I understand that, I don't see it as an ownership thing. So I'm able to not let my, my finances have a grip on me. I'm able to, you know, get a grip on those and direct those to where God wants me to direct them, which means if I'm faithful and I'm a wise manager with a, a little bit, God will give me more resources to, to manage in order to be a blessing to the world around me. Because parents, isn't this true? Whenever, whenever you get something for your child and, they're, and they take care of it, Right? And they, they use it wisely. They take care of it. Aren't you like, man, I'm just going to get you something more. I just want to bless you. Let's, let's go to Target. Let's get it, whatever, whatever you want. Let's go. Like if they take care of it. But how many of you know when they don't take care of it, what you've, you know, given them, and you see it out on the street, or you see it in the garage, under a tire, as you're backing up, that's happened a lot in my house. I got four boys with all kinds of stuff. Or you see it just laying out in the yard, not being taken care of well, it, doesn't something inside of you go, you know what, I'm gonna take everything out of your room. You're gonna get a box spring to sleep on. That's about it. You're like, you're so mean. I don't do it, but I think it. I might do it one day. But the Bible says that me being an earthly father, if I know how to give good gifts, then how much more would our, our heavenly father give good gifts to us but could it be that what God has given you, he sees out on the lawn. He sees underneath the tire. He sees this out in the street, just sitting there. And he's like, man, I want to be a blessing to the world. I want to do it through you. But based on the way you've managed what I've given you, we're managers. We're managers. Here's the last one I want to give you. And that is, I will leave a legacy. This is what people who have a blessing mindset this is how they think. They're not trying to get all they can, use all they can, you know, just kind of gather and accumulate everything that they can. They're thinking about the next generation. They're thinking about the generation after that and the generation after that. They're thinking about doing something with what God has given them in a way that's going to impact God's kingdom for, for the years and years to come, something that's going to matter in eternity. And I know some of you are going, yeah, but Kobe, I'm, I'm 19, I'm 20 years old. You know, I'm not thinking about legacy. Well, you should be. Like, you should start today so that you could make uh, what you have matter for eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to leave a legacy. And not just, not just what I leave my boys one day when I pass on in my will. I don't know what they're going to get anyway. I guess my, my Jeep, that's going to go to somebody. But I want to leave a legacy of, of planting churches. I want to leave a legacy of, 
of pointing people to Jesus and, and salvation and freedom in him. Like, I wanna, I wanna leave a legacy of, of, of raising the next generation of world changers, of raising people up. Like, I wanna leave a legacy. But non-blessed minded people, here's how, here's how they think. They don't think about others. They just think about, about themselves and they think about the stuff that they have. And here's what, what Solomon uh, says in Proverbs 18, 11. He says, the rich, they think their wealth is a strong defense. They think it's a, a wall that's too high to scale or a wall of protection around them. This is from the wealthiest man that ever walked the earth. King Solomon had everything. And he came to this conclusion that it does not matter how much stuff I have. It does not matter the, the, the amount that's in my retirement portfolio. It does not matter how much real estate that I own. He imagined it, a wall of, of security, of safety. And he realized my safety is not in, in my stuff. My safety and security is in something else, something greater something that, that's not gonna be burned up and destroyed on this, this earth, something that's gonna last forever. I'm not saying don't plan, don't save, don't have margin, all that stuff is important. I'm just telling you, don't let that be where your faith is. Don't let that ever be where your security is. And here's how Jesus says it, because how many of you know as quickly as, as that stuff grows, as quickly as the market grows, it can all die, it can all be gone. Some of you have realized that, hello 2020. Hello, my 401k became a 101a. That's not a real thing, just so you guys know. I don't think you can invest in those. But here's what Jesus says, the only thing that's consistent, the only thing that matters is what you store up for eternity. He says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moss eat them, rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, store them up in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, thieves can't break in and can't steal. He's saying, have it, enjoy it, manage it well, but make sure you're, you're using it to leave a legacy, something that will last. Listen, here's, I think, the difference. God wants to bless you. Like, you need to know that. You gotta first get that into your heart and into your mind that God wants to bless you. He's not trying to get you. He's not trying to zap you. He's not trying to come out. He's, he wants to bless, bless you. And I think the difference sometimes is in us receiving the blessings of God is that we just have to have the right mindsets about it. That we are more than we make, that, that God is our source. And because of that, then we're just managers of it. And so we need to make sure we wisely manage what he's given us in order to leave a legacy, to make a difference attorney would you stand to your feet bow your heads close your eyes come on god we just pray right now in this moment that you would speak to us through your word that you would challenge us convict us god of the way that we've we've seen and thought about the stuff that you've placed in our care and our resources whether we think it's a lot or a little god it doesn't matter it's all come from you and so we recognize today that every good and perfect gift that we have is from you that you've given us the ability to, to gain wealth. And so God, we're just, we're grateful. We say thank you for what you've given us. So help us to be good managers. Help us not to leave the resources you've, you've entrusted us with out in the yard and under the car or on the street, God, but let us make the most 
of what we have because we know as we are faithful with a little, you will trust us with more. We wanna be people that you would invest in. We wanna be people that are a conduit of your blessings to reach the world around us, to make a difference for the cause of Christ here in the city and beyond. And so we know first and foremost, we gotta get this right. The way we see, the way we understand what you've blessed us with, because ultimately you want us to live blessed, to live our best life. So God, help us to do that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you are here today, and your value is not found in Christ alone, can I just encourage you that God loves you where you are? That it could be that although we're, we're talking about money and finances, you realize today that you are far from God, that you are a sinner, separated by that sin from God, but you are so valuable to Him. In fact, it's been said that, that the value of something is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. And can I tell you, someone paid an incredible price for you because they loved you so much. God sent his son into this world to pay a price, to forgive our debt, to forgive our sin, so you could be set free from sin and guilt and shame and have a new relationship with him. And so none of what I'm talking about matters until you first understand how valuable you are to God. And that he's desperate and searching for you and will continue to search for you. And maybe today is the day you come home and you realize he's a good father that loves you just as you are. And today is the day you cross the line of faith and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. In fact, no one's looking around if you say, Colby, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm online. Would you right now be bold and lift your hand high and just say, God, I need you to save me. I need you to set me free. Yeah, 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 come on. I need you to, to, to redeem me back to your original design and purpose. Awesome. God, I need you to save me. Awesome, I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. In fact, church, let's pray together out loud with those around us today in one voice. Come on, repeat after me, Jesus today. I give you my life. I find my value in you and you alone. Forgive me of my sin. Save me and set me free. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate again. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.